0: What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the Boochcast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special episode for you guys as we're going to be recapping night one and night two of WrestleMania 37. That's right. Now, before we get started, I got one quick thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to jump right into WrestleMania. Uh, I want to apologize for the delay on NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 2. As you guys know, I wanted to get both... uh, nights out on Friday but uh, Elvis and John were having some tech issues behind the scenes with getting the uh, episode to me on time so eventually we were able to fix them during the watch parties and I was able to get them out uh, earlier today uh, at the time you're listening to this so I know Wrestlemania is coming out uh, later on a Monday than expected some of you might have already watched Monday Night Raw the night after Wrestlemania but hopefully you're still tuning in here to find out what we thought about Wrestlemania 37 because I I cannot wait to jump into this. So ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and let's get it started in here. And we are going to kick things off with our first official match of the evening. We're going to kick things off with night one of WrestleMania 37 for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley defends the title against Drew McIntyre. This was a phenomenal match to open up the show. I loved it. I loved the fact that uh, they were opening the event with this. I thought it was a great way to start strong with everything that's going to be going down at WrestleMania. And I got to say... These two guys put on one hell of a wrestling clinic, it was great back and forth action, amazing storytelling on the edge of your seat action, these guys did not disappoint in fact, the only complaint that I have, is that Drew McIntyre once again fucked up the sword entrance, he did this at Fastlane and he did it again here at Wrestlemania he goes to put the sword in the the hole, to uh, activate you know, the pyro and everything, and he fucked it up twice, every time he puts it in the sword gets slanted, it's like motherfucker you have one job one job and you continue to botch it it's like you can't get the sword in the hole how do you please a woman? I'd like to know because clearly you ain't doing it right if you think that's the correct way to stick things in a hole but anyway outside of that the match itself was great I give props to both of these guys for a job well done and I especially love the fact that Bobby Lashley got the win because Bobby Lashley deserves a solid run with the WWE title. Now, just to be clear, unlike the snowflakes out there and all the PC assholes, I want to make one thing clear. Bobby Lashley does not deserve a run with the title because he's black. This is not about, we need more black WWE champions to give people hope. Fuck all that. Bobby Lashley deserves a run with the title because he's a badass motherfucker and he looks credible as a world champion. He is someone who has busted his ass for years and years. He should have been WWE champion during his first run with WWE, but sadly that did not happen. So he went off to greener pastures, made a name for himself in MMA and Bellator. He became a TNA World Heavyweight Champion, developed his skills, honed his craft, came back to WWE, had a bit of a rocky start on the return, but is now finally getting the recognition and respect that he deserves. That is why Bobby Lashley deserves to be WWE champion. Enough with the race car bullshit. Okay? I don't believe someone should be denied something because of the color of their skin. But I also don't think they should have something handed to them on a silver platter because of the color of their skin either. Bobby Lashley's skin color is irrelevant. He is a badass and a credible champion. And not only that, but the match itself had a great finish. Bobby Lashley putting in the Hurt Locker and Drew McIntyre trying to break out of it. Trying to counter out of it. Trying to at times look like he was going to break it. When he didn't break it, he would have Bobby Lashley, he would like lean forward and shove him into the ring post to break the hold. The psychology was brilliant because Bobby Lashley has been dominating motherfuckers. But now, Drew McIntyre got to put up a fight against him. So it made you think for a second, hold on, which one of these guys is going to win? Because some people were thinking Bobby Lashley is going to hold on to the belt. Other people thought Drew was going to get the belt because now that there's fans in the stands, they're going to give Drew a proper WrestleMania victory which as far as I'm concerned is a bunch of horse shit. Fans are no fans, he won the title. Doesn't matter. We still saw it. It was still televised. So fans are no fans, he deserved it. And what I also found interesting about this was the fact that last year when Drew McIntyre faced Brock Lesnar for the title that match lasted 4 minutes and 35 seconds. And I know Notice that the match with Lashley on Saturday was 18 minutes and 20 seconds so if at any point in the future we do see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar if Brock Lesnar goes over which obviously I don't want to happen because I want Bobby Lashley to have a hot streak plus I see no reason for Brock Lesnar to have to you know beat any more people unless you want to have him beat you know random mid card guys to kind of build him up and make him look strong for the big fight that's different but if Brock Lesnar was to beat Bobby Lashley I expect that match to go longer than 18 minutes and 20 seconds. There's no way you can just beat him in that amount of time. That's what I would want to see. Lashley can squash Lesnar for all I care. But Bobby Lashley just went to war with Drew McIntyre, who easily squashed Lesnar. So in order for that to be strong, Lesnar would have to dig down deep and be the one to beat Bobby Lashley. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is great opening start to the match. Very well done. You couldn't have asked for a better opener to WrestleMania. On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, the tag team turmoil match where the winner receives A shot at the women's tag team title match on night. And that, of course, consisted of Lana and Naomi, taking on Billy Kay and Carmella, taking on Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, taking on the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, versus Natalia and Tamina. So all five of these teams were in a tag team turmoil. This match was fairly decent. I will say that. This match was fairly decent. Now, I'm going to be straight up honest. There were a lot of times where my attention was distracted, because let's be honest, with the exception of a few few women's matches. Some of the women matches are great. Most of them aren't. But I will say this match kept my attention. And what made it keep my attention was surprisingly Billy Kay and Carmela and how well they work together as a team. Now don't get me wrong. I do not want these guys or these gals, to win this match. But the fact that they did that thing where, um, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Billy Kay kind of rolled somebody up and Carmella grabbed the ropes and held her legs and, like, put her legs against her back to kind of hold her up for the sunset flip so they couldn't kick out. I thought it was brilliant. I noticed the referee uh, tried to stop it when they went for it a second time. And I don't know why. It's a tag team move. As far as I'm concerned, it should be perfectly legal. It should be. Your tag team... You're working together. It's not like she's interfering in the match. She's in the match. So I-, I thought that was brilliant on their part. Obviously, Lana and Naomi did what they did. Naomi is a great wrestler. Lana's just fucking there. You know, Dana Brooks doing her thing. Mandy's just fucking there. Then you got the Riot Squad, who are legit a badass team. But then you have Natalia and Tamina come in and just straight up fucking dominate. Like they made these two look good. Now, obviously, Natalia and Tamina won. And I say obviously because the way they were building up this team in the weeks leading up to Mania when they finally announced they were going to be a team and the fact that they're they're, they're a part of legendary wrestling families and they're trying to use that to their advantage to form an alliance. It was high time that they got a victory because and I know this sounds weird because Elvis was on my case about this before with um, because you know I, I mentioned before I despise Charlotte Flair because the fact that she's you know Ric Flair's daughter and that allows her to be privileged and give her advantage she did not earn when Italian Tamina is a different story. So anybody thinking well, Booch. How is that different? Here's why. Natalya is part of the Hart family. Being part of the Hart family does not score you cool points in WWE. Because the Hart family does not have the best relationship with Vince McMahon. Especially after the Montreal screw job. Now granted, things have gotten better over the years. Since Brett has made peace with Vince. And put the Montreal incident behind him. But still, being a member of the Hart family also makes you a victim of the Hart family curse. Which means that every member of the Hart family, with the exception of Owen Hart, had great Great wrestling skills, but shitty promos and charisma. Tamina is the daughter of Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and ever since Jimmy Snuka was considered a murderer murderer for what happened with Nancy Argentino, which I will be discussing on an episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring that'll be coming out soon. Make sure you guys check that out on our YouTube channel, so subscribe to the YouTube channel right now on the Boochcast to make sure you guys uh, check out that episode. Uh, So they don't have the best reputation family-wise, so if anything, their family lineage isn't in a It's a detriment. Charlotte Flair doesn't have that issue. Why? Because everybody loves Ric Flair. They worship the damn ground he walks on. They kiss his ass. They suck his dick. They love him. If you're in the Flair family, you can have everything handed to you on a silver platter. Don't believe me? Ask David Flair. Watch him in WCW. The man was practically handed the United States title on a silver platter in the 90s. It was pathetic. But anyway, Natalya and Tamina get the win. Fantastic. Great match. Very, very exciting. On that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. What was one? Once a filler match, became a potential nominee for match of the night, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. I could not be more proud of both of these men. These guys put on... A wrestling clinic. I think deep down, these guys knew they were just a filler match. They were just thrown together for the sake of two nights of WrestleMania. But despite the fact this was just a random thrown together match that made no fucking sense, it was a show stealer. And Cesaro made it a show stealer with the incredible moves that he did. The 23 big swings, the airplane spin with no fucking hands. Which was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in a wrestling ring. Every move was crisp. Every move was on point. There was no spot monkey bullshit. These guys knew exactly what they were doing in that ring. And it was amazing. It succeeded everyone's expectations. It exceeded everyone's expectations. And not only that, Cesaro got the win after nailing the neutralizer. This is a guy who has constantly gotten his ass kicked in WWE. This is a guy that so many wrestling fans love. And so many wrestling fans enjoy watching. And so many wrestling fans want to see get the push and the rub. And he has yet to receive it. So the question is, will Cesaro get a push or the rub going forward? Are they going to do something with this? Or is he going to fall back into obscurity? I honestly don't know. But either way, this was Cesaro's WrestleMania moment. And unless he wins the Royal Rumble, goes to the next year's WrestleMania, and walks out with the WWE title, I don't see him having a better WrestleMania moment than this. This is better than when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Hands down. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Raw Tag Team Titles, The New Day defends the tag team titles against AJ Styles and Omos. This was a crazy tag team match but it was done exactly the way everyone expected this tag team match to go it went with aj styles doing the majority of the work almost taking the the hot tag and then getting in the ring and decimating and that is exactly what he needed to do almost is a big man wrestle like a fucking big man wrestle like a fucking giant do not go out there And try to do what the flippy dippy spot monkey cruiserweights are fucking doing. That's not a place for a big man. Be a fucking big man. You got three guys in that ring that can already do the flippy-dippy bullshit. So let them do the flippy-dippy bullshit. And you got AJ Styles who can adapt to fucking anything. So it worked. They all played their roles. They all played their parts very well. And no one tried to step on each other's toes metaphorically during the match. And in the end, almost dominated. Almost whooped some ass. Hit that spine buster. Put his foot right on Kofi's chest in an arrogant way and one, two, three, Styles and Omos win this match. And I have a feeling that they were building to this and that's why they gave the New Day the tag team titles. Because when they beat Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander the Hurt Business, I was fucking pissed. Because I'm sick of seeing the New Day with the tag team titles. I'm fed up. They're bringing nothing to the table as tag team champions. They are a comedy act. Let them be a comedy act. Being a 10 or 11 time tag team champions is not elevating the tag team division it's only elevating the new day and they've peaked they got nowhere else to go but down they've reached the pinnacle so unless you're going to give kofi another wwe title reign which would be fucking stupid or unless you're going to give xavier woods a chance to have some singles gold, whether it be uh, the, the U.S. title or the WWE title. God forbid, because I don't think uh, Xavier was in any way, shape, or form a main event player. There's nothing else left for them to do. They've done it all. They're just taking up space. They need to be doing the jobs and putting people over. If they become tag team champions again, it should only be to put over the next big tag team. It is their time now to build a division and put some people over. That's where the New Day is at, tag team-wise. Just a fact of life. I'm trying not to hate on the New Day, because I do like their gimmick, but they've done it all as a team. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have ourselves a steel cage match. Braun Strowman goes one-on-one against Shane McMahon. Or I should say, the best in the world! Shane McMahon! And I can honestly say this cage match was one of the best cage matches I have seen in a very, very long time. This is a match that once again delivered. And the reason it delivered was because of the great storytelling that was in this match. Once again, folks, there's storytelling and psychology. And they both play a major factor in getting wrestlers over and getting matches over. If you have those skills, you can make anything work in a ring. And it was great. Like, Braun Strowman comes out to the ring. Riker and Elias attack him. They weaken him, make it hard for Braun to get around. So it allows Shane McMahon to have the advantage. So he can go toe-to-toe with the monster among men. And also, Shane McMahon has gone toe-to-toe with other wrestlers in the past that are that size. So if anybody thinks that Braun Strowman looks weak for going toe-to-toe with Shay McMahon, just remember this. Shea McMahon went toe-to-toe with The Undertaker. Shea McMahon has gone toe-to-toe with Kane. Shea McMahon has gone toe-to-toe with The Big Show. Shane McMahon even went toe-to-toe with Test. May he rest in peace. So from a storytelling standpoint, it makes sense for Shane O'Mac to be able to hold his own with a man, the size, and strength of Braun Strowman. But when it came time for Strowman to make the comeback it worked. They utilized the cage to their advantage. Shane constantly trying to escape. Trying to weasel his way out of the cage like a true chicken shit heel when he realized Braun had his strength back and was going to kill him. Hit him in the head with a toolbox. Making him think that, oh, he Shane's going to climb out of here and win. But what happens? Braun eventually gets up, traps Shane McMahon and we're seeing him pull his arm through the cage because, for those of you who don't know, all cages nowadays are gimmicked, even the Cell, is gimmicked to where you can easily stick your foot in certain holes to climb up or out of the cage so Braun uses his advantage and grabs Shane's hand then he grabs the chain link of the cage and rips it off This is the part where I got fucking scared. Because I'm thinking to myself, dude, Shane's hand is still stuck in that cage. So I'm thinking, Braun better be careful, or he's going to break Shane's arm. And if he injures Shane McMahon, goodbye to whatever push you're getting. Even if it's accidental, you injure the boss's son in a match. If you're reckless in a match with the boss's kid, you're fucked. So I'm thinking, Braun's about to get fucked. Luckily, you know, they did some type of thing while the camera was off or whatever. Because unlike AEW, WWE knows how to pan cameras away to not show blatantly obvious shit. You know, people give Kevin Dunn a lot of crap, and the fucker deserves it, but at least when it comes to TV production, he actually knows what the fuck he's doing. Because a- whoever's doing the AEW production truck, they're worse than Kevin Dunn. They just don't have as much power and authority as he does. But anyway, Strowman rips the cage off, grabs Shane, throws him back into the ring, and then proceeds to beat him down, hit the power slam. One, two, three, Braun Strowman wins. And he and that's exactly who was... supposed to win. Why? Because Braun Strowman was getting bullied. And if you're gonna do an angle in wrestling where someone is getting bullied, the bully has to lose in the end. You can do all the humiliating crap you wanna do when you're bullying someone in a story, but the bully has to get his comeuppance. If he doesn't, that's when the other wrestler gets buried. Shane McMahon did not bury Braun Strowman by calling him stupid. He didn't bury him by saying, And he didn't bury him by pouring green paint on top of his head. The only way that would have been a burial would be if Shane won this match Braun Strowman got the win and said I'm gonna fight for anybody that's ever been called stupid and it works especially as WWE has a be a star campaign that's all about anti-bullying now of course people ask the question if they have a thing about anti-bullying why are they bullying on TV well because they establish that it is a fucking TV show so in order to tell a story and get behind somebody you have to have the bullying Th- the baby face has to have something to overcome whether it's being bullied whether it's being beaten up whether it's being you know having your girlfriend stolen or your wife or something the baby face has to go through some type of struggle in order to get to the end so you have to show the struggle and the Monday Night Raw's are about telling a story every week there's a story there's a story there's a story there's a story there's a moment there's an incident something has to happen to build to the crescendo that's why week after week after week month after month Shane McMahon bullied Braun Strowman they're supposed to fight a Lane, he found a wise way to get out of it, put him in the ring with Elias. Braun beat the shit out of Elias. They carried it to WrestleMania, put him in a steel cage. Shane's got nowhere to go. And in the end, the bully got his ass kicked and the, and the victim overcame the odds. That is inspiring to kids. And some adults that can suspend their disbelief. But kids can look at that and go, Braun Strowman was picked on just like me because it makes him relatable to the audience. And I know this because I was a kid who was bullied a lot. And on social media in a lot of ways, I still get bullied from time to time. It just doesn't bother me as much as it did when I was a kid. But when you're someone who's being bullied and you see somebody who's cool, you can't relate to them. You can't relate to people with confidence when you have no confidence. You can't relate to someone who has self-esteem when you have no no self-esteem. You can't relate to somebody who loves themselves when you don't love yourself. So when you see somebody like Braun Strowman, when you hear about somebody like The Miz or John Cena or The Rock or even Stone Cold, I don't think Stone Cold did, but in general, when you hear about somebody getting bullied, getting picked on, being humiliated, being degraded, having their boss force them to do something they don't want to do because it's their job those are all things that make you relatable to the average person the more you relate to somebody the more you gravitate to them so when they win it's like they're it's like you won you live vicariously through that person anybody that's ever gotten bad grades in school anyone that's ever been called stupid by a teacher or a grown-up or other kids you're relating to braun strowman in that moment you are cheering for braun strowman in that moment you look at Braun Strowman and you see yourself. You look at Shane McMahon and you look at every person that ever fucking made fun of you, that ever teased you, that ever called you stupid. Whether it was, like I said, a teacher, a parent, a grown-up, whatever. And you, and when you see Braun Strowman beating the shit out of Shane McMahon, guess what? You envision yourself beating the shit out of that teacher, out of that parent, out of that kid. That's what wrestling does. That's what a character is supposed to do. That's what a baby face is supposed to do. You have to have a relatable, something about you that's relatable to the average person and by using that, it gives you something to work with it shows, okay, he has a flaw or an insecurity, because guess what? We all fucking have them. But you're watching this guy not let that insecurity hold him back. And because of that, fans can gravitate to him. It was the same thing with Nia Jax when she fought Alexa Bliss and Alexa Bliss was fat shaming her. You know how many women could relate to that shit about being fat shamed, about being made fun of, being told you're ugly, being told you're not good enough, being told guys don't want to date you, all this other shit. There are women who go through that every day. There are women who still go through it today. It made Nia Jax relatable. Even as a heel, it could make her relatable because a lot of times women get called that and that's what turns them into bullies because they don't want they don't want it, they don't want people to see that sensitive side, so they just beat people up. So they'll fear you rather than feel sorry for you. So when they turn Nia Jax babyface, that made perfect sense. And the reason it worked, the reason it wasn't offensive is because when she went to New Orleans at WrestleMania 34, she beat Alexa Bliss and won the title. As long as the bully gets their ass kicked in the end, and the person being bullied wins and gets revenge, a bullying storyline will always work. It will only fail if the bully wins The rivalry, great match, great ending, great story. And Shane still can get the job done. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Dear God help us all, a tag team match. We have The Miz and Morrison. Hey, hey, ho, ho. The Miz and John Morrison taking on the team of Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. I'm not going to lie. I was impressed with this match. I thought it was going to suck because I saw who was in it. A very untalented rapper, a very untalented entertainer, and a very untalented wrestler going up against Bad Bunny. So I had a feeling this match was not going to do well. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Bad Bunny, I still don't like him as a rapper. I think his music is trash. But as a wrestler, my hat is off to him. I give mad respect to Bad Bunny because he trained for this. He went into that match and he actually showed he could work. Like, this was Pat McAfee level work that I saw in this match. When when celebrities come into wrestling and they are able to work and make their movements believable and they take the time to train and work out and learn what they're doing and not half-ass it and respect the business and take it seriously, it works. Pat McAfee in NXT was a prime example of that. And Bad Bunny showed that here. And of course, Damian Priest... This was going to be his first WrestleMania since getting called to the main roster. So it was his moment to shine too. And they did great. And of course, The Miz and Morrison got their ass kicked. So I couldn't be happier. I mean, I like John Morrison. I met him in person. He's a great guy. But I hate The Miz. I met him in person. He's a dick. So it was fun to see. And not only that, Bad Bunny did a Canadian destroyer. A fucking Canadian destroyer. They called it the Bunny Destroyer. And then he did a cross body, which was a cross bunny, they called it. And that ended up being the win. He nailed the Miz with a cross bunny and uh, got the one, two, three. And he jumped off of Damian Priest's shoulders to do it and got the win. So Bad Bunny and Damian Priest won. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect Bunny to get the pin. I honestly thought Damian Priest would. So that was going to be a good way to showcase. Damian Priest but I like this concept because if Bad Bunny is gonna get the pin the Miz should be the guy he pins Because I I don't give a fuck if The Miz gets buried. Because as far as I'm concerned, he should have been fired years ago. But I would not want Morrison to get buried. Because like I said, I like John Morrison. He's an incredible talent. He's a guy who needs to get a push. And before he leaves WWE, he needs to become WWE champion. He deserves it. He is a main event player. And at some point, he needs to be treated as such. No doubt about it. So, but props to Bad Bunny. Hell of a great job. Great job. His punches were on point. Everything he did in that ring was believable. They did not insult the intelligence of the audience. They did not make Bad Bunny stronger than a wrestler. They just made him a normal guy with the exception of the Bunny Destroyer. He was a normal guy doing normal moves. Because Bad Bunny might not be able to do, you know, fancy chain wrestling. But as a human being, he can punch another man in the face. That's believable. To see Bad Bunny punch somebody in the face. Because anybody can throw a punch. So that was special. It was great. It was amazing. It was not a show stealer, but it was a hell of a great moment. And on that note, we move on to the main event of night one for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. The boss, Sasha Banks, defends the title against the EST of WWE Bianca Belair. Now, before I get into this match, I have to give a special shout out here. I want to give a shout out to Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie, there's a lot of wrestling fans that give you a lot of shit. Guilty, I have been one of those people in the past. Stephanie I love you for this I respect you for this this is by far one of the best business decisions you've ever made by making this the main event of night one now just to be clear I'm not saying that because they're women I'm not even saying that because they're black and this is the first time two African Americans main evented Wrestlemania I'm saying it was the right choice because Bianca Belair won the women's Royal Rumble you have two Royal Rumble winners you have two nights of Wrestlemania each Royal rumble winner should be main eventing each night if you're going to do two nights of mania now whether or not this will be a regular thing down the line i don't know from the looks of things it's not going to be but i had the same gripe with last year as much as i hate charlotte flair and you all know i do i firmly believe that charlotte flair and rhea ripley should have main-evented night one of WrestleMania 36. Hands down, that should have been the main event of WrestleMania 36 on night one. Now, McIntyre and Lesnar main-evented night two, which was smart, but they should have main-evented night one. No disrespect to the Boneyard match, but your Royal Rumble winners should be main eventing. Now, obviously, if it's one show, you pick either the men or the women's Royal Rumble winner, and you make that the main event. But I still believe that if, like, the men main event WrestleMania, the women's Royal Rumble winner should be semi-main and closer to the end. And I would say the same thing. If the women are main eventing WrestleMania, the men's should be the semi-main event going forward if you're going to make it one night. But if you're going to do this two-night thing regularly, if they decide to do that, then the women's Royal Rumble winner should main event night one and the men's royal rumble winner should main event night two every time so now I got that off my chest here's what i gotta say about the match flawless flawless i was beyond impressed with this match Sasha and Bianca did great this was great storytelling great wrestling once again uh, I loved the use of Bianca's hair I thought was very well done you know the fact that they you know Sasha kept pulling on it she was trying to use it to like pull her into the ring post but Bianca reversed it and pulled Sasha into the ring post the fact that uh, Sasha used it to like choke her or drag her around the ring because Bianca's used her hair as a weapon in the past so for Sasha to take advantage of that I thought was genius Belair attention in the 450 splash. Bianca raising her knees to block the maneuver was great. Sasha Banks applying the bank statement. Belair reached the ropes to avoid, to avoid the submission, but sold it, milked it, because as soon as she put that bank statement in, we thought it was over. I thought it was over, but the storytelling was great. She grabs the ropes. Belair hits the 450 splash. Belair becomes more aggressive, whipping Banks with a ponytail, and then she goes to the KOD. Sasha fights out. She goes again, tries to fight out. Eventually, Belair hits one big, big hard shot, drops Drops the KOD. One, two, three. Bianca Belair is the SmackDown Women's Champion. Now, I am a fan of Sasha Banks. I am. I love Sasha Banks. I love seeing her get a push. I love seeing her hold the women's title for a long time and not have it dropped almost immediately especially to the false flair. But with all due respect to the boss, this was the EST's time to shine. Bianca Belair is, to me, one of the most talented women on the roster. Her strength, her charisma, her psychology, her everything. She is the total package. She is the EST of WWE. That's not just a gimmick. That's a fact. She deserved this win. She deserves to be the champion. Hell, she should have been the NXT Women's Champion. I was pissed she never held that belt, but she got something better. And she got it on the grandest stage of them all. And she closed out the first night of WrestleMania. It was it was everything a main event match needed to be. The pressure was on for these women to deliver because when they announce you as the main event, you got to deliver at a main event level. Not everybody can live up to the pressure. Both these women lived up to the pressure. One Once again, my hat is off to both these women. This was women's wrestling. It was women's wrestling done right. And regardless, of how you might feel about the WWE, these are two women that everyone that claims to be a wrestling fan should respect. You may not like the WWE. You may not always like the product. I sure as hell don't always like the product. But you can't deny these women their moment. You cannot call yourself a true lover of professional wrestling and not give these women their due. They earned every bit of that main event. And delivered on a WrestleMania level. And I really hope Bianca Belair is the women's champion for a long, long time. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up night one of WrestleMania 37. Uh, I'm going to take a short break here. And when I come back, we're going to get into night two of WrestleMania 37 here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. I shall return right after this.
1: You're underpaid and working overtime. I mix the pleasure with the pain. I make it rain tonight. Ooh, ooh, ooh. no one said it would be easy. Ooh, 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 even if you don't believe me, even on my doctor. I A dog!
0: Welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Head Up High by Fitz, which was one of the big theme songs for WrestleMania 37. The other one was, of course, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd, which was the intro song to this episode. And All the Gold by Def Rebel was the other theme song. And I decided I'm going to play that song for the outro for this week. Instead of doing a traditional outro, that song's going to be the outro song for this week in honor of WrestleMania 37. We'll probably go back to our original outro um, next week, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, play these songs here for WrestleMania 37 in honor of the two-night event. So, that was Head Up High by Fitz here on the Boochcast, and now it is time to get into night two of WrestleMania 37, and we kick things off with the opening match of the evening. Randy Orton goes one-on-one against The Fiend. Now, on night one, you guys have heard me say a lot of nice things. I've been very very nice about Wrestlemania I've, you might even say this episode so far has been a bit of a puff piece and you're probably wondering Booch are you just biased towards Wrestlemania are you a WWE fanboy did you just love everything about this pay per view? Well ladies and gentlemen let me let, so, let me let you in on something right now I loved everything about night one. We're about to get into night two so for those of you that enjoy Enjoy listening to me, shit all over wrestling. Here we go. Because this right here, this match was the biggest crock of shit I had seen on the whole fucking program. There was only one moment in this entire show that pissed me off more than this. And we're going to get to that a little later, but I'll point out what it is. This match was fucking garbage. The entrance was great. The Fiend coming out and the Jack in the Box, Alexa Bliss turning the handle, and even the old school Jack in the Box song. Dun, 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 dun. Boom, comes out The Fiend. He jumps up, takes down Randy Orton. We have ourselves a little bit of a scuffle. This, this match, ladies and gentlemen, lasted 5 minutes and 50 seconds. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Alexa Bliss is sitting on top of the Jack in the Box and she has this black blood liquid, whatever the fuck that was, dripping from her face for reasons that make no fucking sense. The Fiend gets distracted. All of a sudden, Randy Orton hits an RKO. An RKO for the One, two, three, Randy Orton wins this match. Where do I fucking begin with this? Alright, first off, the fact that Randy Orton won this match is a crock of shit. I love Randy Orton, I'm a fan, but this was the Fiend's time, this was the Fiend's moment. But what pisses me off more than Randy Orton winning this match is the fact that when Randy Orton won this match, it took one, one RKO to beat The Fiend. One. RKO. This is the same motherfucker that when he fought Goldberg in Saudi Arabia, when The Fiend lost to Goldberg, it took Goldberg not one, not two, not three, but four spears. Four spears and one jackhammer to beat The Fiend. Now, I personally think it should have taken at least two jackhammers. But beggars can't be choosers. Plus, that's beside the point. The point is, it took four spears and a jackhammer for Goldberg to put away the fiend. But for Randy Orton, it took one RKO. I'm now supposed to believe that Randy Orton is stronger than Goldberg. Yeah, fucking bullshit. I know he ain't stronger than Goldberg. First of all, physically, you can tell. He's not stronger than Goldberg. Second of all, Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar in 86 seconds. Randy Orton got in the ring with Brock Lesnar and was bludgeoned to death in the ring. I am now supposed to believe that Randy Orton's RKO is more devastating than Goldberg's spear or jackhammer. Yeah, I'm not buying that shit. You guys can live in that fucking fantasy world if you want to. I ain't buying that crap for a second. And I've heard people talk about how John Cena ruined Bray Wyatt. I've heard people, including Desmond, whine, bitch, and complain about Goldberg beating The Fiend and how that buried The Fiend even though uh, even though The Fiend still went on to and continued to dominate after that Goldberg loss. He beat John Cena at WrestleMania. WrestleMania last year and continue to dominate since then. Got another run with the Universal title. Lost it, but it was in a triple threat match where he wasn't pinned and he didn't tap out, so they protected him. This is the worst loss The Fiend has taken. They just killed everything they did. I don't know how The Fiend comes back from this. And worst part is, I don't know why the fuck they're continuing this feud. Because that's the one thing about WrestleMania that bothers me. Is when WWE uses WrestleMania to either start or continue a rivalry. As far as I'm concerned, WrestleMania is It's not where feuds start, and it's not where feuds continue. This is where feuds are supposed to come to an end. Any rivalry that has been taking place should end at WrestleMania, always. You could have pay-per-views going for months. You could have ri- people in a rivalry going months and months and months. And every now and then they might try off have opponents, but they've been feuding for months and months. WrestleMania is the crescendo to end it all. The feud ends at Mania. It's like the Super Bowl. All the football teams play each other to get to that one game. Once that game is done, they're done. Baseball, World Series, same thing. They go through all the bullshit games. When the World Series is done, the winner is the winner. And it's a clean slate. That's what WrestleMania is supposed to be. That's what the Monday Night Raw that's taking place tonight. Hell, at the time that I'm recording this, it's 7:19, which means Raw's probably going to be going on by the time I get this up on Anchor. Whatever's happening on Raw should be a clean slate. Shit should start over again. The majority of these rivalries should be reset, except for maybe a couple that might warrant a rematch. But this rivalry should be over. This rivalry should be dead. The Fiend should have conquered Randy Orton and got his revenge. For Orton burning down the Wyatt family house. For rubbing the ashes of Sister Abigail on his body, which I think he, or was that Bray doing that? I can't remember anymore. But either way, at WrestleMania 33, Randy Orton took the WWE title from Bray Wyatt. This should have been the moment for The Fiend to get his revenge, add Randy Orton to his list, and continue his reign of dominance. WWE just killed it. The Inferno match, the buildup, Alexa Bliss, all of it. It's fucking dead. You killed the fucking character dead. I can't take The Fiend seriously anymore. I'm not looking forward to Raw, because The Fiend is done. How do I take this feud seriously? How do I take this rivalry seriously? Even the crowd was pissed. You get fans back in the stands and you pull this shit? It's a fucking travesty. It's absolute horseshit. Randy Orton could live to get over another day. The Fiend cannot. He's done. He's fucking dead. I don't want to see anything else from The Fiend anymore. I am no longer invested in this character because WWE just fucking killed it dead. You fucking killed it dead. It's dead. It's done. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defend the titles against Natalia and Tamina. And just like the first match, we witness another death, another burial, another hunk of bullshit. Because there is no reason for Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler to win this match. None. And I'm going to exactly why they have beaten every single tag team in the women's division from the credible tag teams to the random bitches that got thrown together they have beaten them all meanwhile you have Natalia and Tamina who as I mentioned during night one was a tag team that was building lineage. Natalia from the Hart family, Tamina from the Anonai family, the daughter of the Superfly Jimmy Snuka, the daughter of Jim the Anvil Nightheart of the Hart Foundation. One of the greatest tag teams of all time and you pull this stunt at WrestleMania where Shayna locks in her curfew clutch and chokes out Natalia. Natalia could have locked in a sharpshooter. Tamina could have did the Statue of Liberty, the splash, which she fucking did. They both did the finishers. Literally could have put the belts on them, had a great moment, a great shining moment at WrestleMania crowning a new tag team that you had just put together and had spent weeks building up to make them look dominant and taken seriously and you royally fucked them for no logical reason other than you want to keep Nia and Shayna going. Here's the problem. They've now beaten everybody credible there is to beat. Who the fuck is left? The only logical step now is to get Becky Lynch, have her team up with somebody, and take the belts. The question is, who would she team up with? Charlotte? Because they tried that before and it didn't work. So the only way I can see it working this time around is the fact that Becky is clearly a baby face Charlotte was in a baby face moment before she left to go film a movie or deal with COVID or sit out WrestleMania because of Andrade getting his release. Whatever the fuck is the reason she's gone and you have to have the two of them team up but now they're friends now they're both babyfaces now they're a united front so maybe now they'll be tougher. I mean I don't know how the fuck else you tell the story but you just killed it. You had the opportunity to build a new tag team and it's a tag team that people actually want to fucking see. I want to see Natalia and Tamina have a run. Tamina is a dominant badass bitch who is getting mistreated because of her father and the bad publicity surrounding him. Look, regardless of whether or not you think Jimmy Snuka killed Nancy Argentino, and like I said before, on Dark Side of the Ring, on Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring, there's going to be a video coming out soon where I'm going to talk about the whole damn thing. And y'all can comment underneath and share your thoughts on that on the YouTube channel. Subscribe now. But regardless of how you feel about Jimmy Snuka, Tamina deserves a push. She doesn't deserve to get mistreated. She doesn't deserve to get held back. Especially when she is just as big and just as dominant as the two bitches they're fighting. Natalia, regardless of her shitty personality, she is one of the best in ring female wrestlers on the planet. And she's constantly taking a back seat to the rest of the women. And it's bullshit. So this was another shit match and a waste of time and another team that's dead and gone, dead and gone. Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're moving on to the next match of the evening, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn with Logan Paul in his corner. That's right. The Low Gang was in the house at WrestleMania for this. And all I got to say is, this match was definitely a match of the night candidate right here. This was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at their absolute best. Granted, this was a throw-together match. It was filler, let's be honest. But just like Cesaro and Rollins the night before, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn fucking delivered. Both these men put on one hell of a match. It lasted only nine minutes and 20 seconds, but that's all we needed. It was great. It was well done. Logan Paul had his moment where he was congratulating Kevin, arguing with Sammy, shoves Sammy down to the ground. Logan Paul raises Kevin Owens' hand, and Logan Paul, I mean, uh, Kevin Owens hits Logan Paul with the star after Logan raised his hand, just... Fucking epic. And Logan Paul really sold that stunner. He took it like a champ. So I give Logan Paul all the props in the world for that. But this is a great, great match. And we needed a great match, with the la- especially with the two clusterfucks we dealt with in the beginning. So now the pay-per-view is starting to get better because this is a great, phenomenal match. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the United States Championship. Douche Riddle defends the title against... Seamus, and this match, it was decent, it was a decent match, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't emotionally invested in it, because we had the, bro, who I fucking hate with a passion, Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned that lately, but Matt Riddle, I fucking can't stand this loser, um, I I was watching this match, um, very, very well, I'm not gonna lie, it was a great, great match, um... And, of course, it had an amazing finish because um, Matt Riddle does some bullshit flip move. Sheamus just straight up kicks that motherfucker in the chest, pins him one, two, three, and the match is over. And Sheamus is now the new United States champion. And some people out there felt that Sheamus didn't deserve the U.S. title. I respectfully disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because they were starting to build Sheamus up as a badass ever since he turned on Drew McIntyre. In fact, I wanted to see Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, before all this shit went down with Miz and Lashley and all that. As happy as MC Bobby Lashley won the title, I didn't want to see Drew lose the title until he fought Sheamus. But instead, uh, since we had the whole thing with Lashley and McIntyre, they decided to have Sheamus and McIntyre fight at Fastlane and have this match at Mania. So I figure, if Sheamus is not gonna win the WWE Championship, which with this heel-style gimmick that he has, he should win it, then you might as well give him the mid-card title, the United States title. And then when you're ready for Seamus to become WWE champion again, then he can drop the US title. Plus, I was sick of seeing Matt Riddle with a fucking title, because I think he's a piece of shit. I have no respect for him whatsoever, and I'm sick and tired of seeing him being a cancer to the fucking wrestling business. So the Celtic warrior, I I wish he could have broke, kicked his fucking head off. But instead, the burnout got fucking kicked in the chest. And Sheamus sent him back to the world of clout chasing on Twitter. That's all Riddle's ever good for and on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Intercontinental Championship. Big E defends the title against Apollo Cruz in a Nigerian drum fight. This match was awesome. It was interesting, it was innovative, it was violent, and I loved it. Both these men took a lot of punishment and dished out a lot of punishment. You couldn't have asked for anything more. Out of these guys Than what they gave It was fucking amazing I like the gimmick I like the style of the match I like the physicality I even like the interference From that random Big motherfucker Which um I think Desmond Pointed out to me When he He texted me online That uh It might be somebody From Raw Underground I'm sure we'll find out Tonight on Raw Actually no Until back We won't find out Until this Friday On Smackdown cause, Mac- Cause that's a Smackdown belt So I'm sorry Yeah we're gonna have to Wait till Smackdown To uh Find out Who this guy is is but i think he's from raw underground i think it was that now that i remember his name i think it was I think it was that Dabakato guy, but I'm sure we'll find out if it's not him who it really is. But either way, Apollo Crews wins the Intercontinental title as well he should have. Why? Because he just debuted a brand new gimmick. They are finally giving Apollo Crews a gimmick and a personality and giving him something to work with. And the reason it worked is because Apollo Crews, legit, for a shoot, is Nigerian. So it makes sense for him to have a Nigerian accent. And some people can fade in and out of accents. So it's not outside their own possibility for him to wrestle without an accent and then suddenly have one. It's not like Booker T where he decided to be King Booker and just magically became fucking British. This actually makes sense and it can work. And if done correctly, this will propel Apollo Crews to new heights, which is where he needs to go. He's already got the body. He's already got the moveset. He just needed to work on his promos. But now that he has a gimmick, his promos do very well. His mic skills are on point. And I look forward to seeing more from Apollo Crews. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka defends the title against Rhea Ripley. I think Fucking loved the brutality in this match. I love the fact. That Asuka got the shit beat out of her. I have been sick and tired of the Japanese gibberish. I am sick and tired of Asuka. And I hate everything about her. Her wrestling. Her gimmick. Her promos. The fact that she has a title. The fact that she sounds like a joke. Looks like a joke. Walks like a joke. The whole thing's a fucking joke. The fact that she even held that Raw Women's title in the first place. The fact that she's had it longer than she should have had it. The fact that she held it at all. Is fucking a atrocious the dominant reign she's been having is the dominant reign Shayna Baszler should have got because it would have been a 10 times better story. You would have had 10 times better matches than the crap that Oscar was putting on. And with Rhea Ripley leaving NXT, because let's be honest, other than becoming a women's tag team champion, there was really nothing left for her to do down there. She needed this win and she needs that belt and she needs to hold that belt for a very long time. She needs a dominant reign. She needs to establish credibility and she needs to be taken seriously seriously as a wrestler, which means no fuckery. No fuckery from the writers, no fuckery from Triple H, and no fuckery from any of the McMahons. Leave Rhea alone to her own devices and let her be the Raw Women's Champion. This is a great match with a proper finish. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event of the evening for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defends the title against Edge and Daniel Bryan this ladies and gentlemen was absolute bullshit this was a very great match that had a very shitty finish because this was the night that Edge was supposed to shine the first of all the fact that Daniel Bryan was even in this match was fucking shit I'm not a fan of triple threat matches to begin with but especially in the universal title match Daniel Bryan had no business being in this match. And even though there were times where he did some good shit in the match, I still didn't want him in it. He didn't win the Royal Rumble, and he was not the Universal Champion going into the match. As far as I'm concerned, his ass should have been gone. And if Daniel Bryan had won this Universal title, I would be even more pissed off than I already am. So you're probably thinking, Booch... If Daniel Bryan didn't win the title, why are you still pissed off? Because Roman Reigns still has the belt. Now, here's the thing. I don't hate Roman Reigns. I love the fact that he's a tribal chief. I love the fact that he's ahead of the table. And here's the best part. I was a fan of Roman Reigns before he turned heel. I've been a fan of Roman Reigns since day one, and I have never once wavered. Everybody else got on the bandwagon, jumped off the bandwagon, and then hopped back on again when he turned heel. I have never abandoned Roman Reigns. So my issue is not with Roman personally. It's with the fact that he's been this dominant champion and Edge had a valid reason for winning it back. This is a guy who won the Royal Rumble, came back from a career-threatening neck injury, going after the title that he never lost because he had to surrender the World Heavyweight title when he retired because of his injury. And not only that, this match took place 10 years to the day that Edge retired. You couldn't have painted a better picture than this. You couldn't tell a better story than this. This was the perfect time for the rated R superstar to become champion again. And WWE fucked it up. Other than Orton and The Fiend, this was the other fucked up moment I was talking about. This was horse shit. Edge with the concertos, the spears... Everything was set for Edge to win, and instead, Roman Reigns hits Edge with the concerto, drags him on top of an unconscious Daniel Bryan, and pins both of them. Well, who's left for Roman now? Who's going to take this belt from him now? Every credible wrestler there is, Roman has beaten them. I hate to say it, but at this point, it looks like it's going to take a part-timer. We may need Goldberg to take this belt from Roman Reigns. We may need The Rock to take this belt from Roman Reigns. I know there's gonna be people out there saying, I don't want to see a part-timer with the championship belt. Well, who the fuck else you gonna pick? Roman's already beaten everybody, okay? Unless you want to reset the clock and have all the same motherfuckers fight him again, who else is gonna beat him? Who else? Who else on that roster, on the SmackDown roster, that hasn't gotten a title shot, is ready to take that belt from him? Because At this point, I can only think of two outside of Goldberg and The Rock. And that's Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Seth Rollins because he's believable to beat Roman Reigns. And Cesaro because he just had an epic victory at WrestleMania. But other than that, I don't know who else can do it. I mean, Kevin Owens already tried. He fucking failed. Sami Zayn, nobody takes him seriously. Big E, doubt it. But seriously, who the fuck else are you going to pick? Answer, you can't pick anybody. Edge was the perfect guy. It was another spear versus spear style match. Similar to the one he was gonna have with Goldberg. There's nothing left. There was even interference with Jey Uso. Way too many! At first I liked it when he was beating up Daniel Bryan, because I was like, great! He'll get this motherfucker out of the picture. Then he started attacking Edge, and that's when I had a problem with it. Then it just became too much. Every Roman Reigns match is starting to become repetitive. It's starting to becoming the same. It's getting boring. And no one's invested. They're invested in his promos, but not his matches. At least I'm not. This was a terrible booking idea. And once again, I got to see something get killed off before it could even start. Another concept that's dead in the dirt and done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude Night 2 of WrestleMania 37, as well as WrestleMania in general. Um, As I mentioned before, Night 1 had all the good matches. Night 2 had a string of good matches, but the other one sucked. We had three good matches on night two. The other four were fucking garbage. So I really don't know what else to tell you guys here other than hopefully you enjoyed WrestleMania because I think it was a massive letdown overall. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up the Boochcast for this week. Make sure you are following us on Anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast. Also, from there, you'll be able to check out the other platforms we're on, including Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Pick the one you like or follow us on all of them. To catch every episode of the Boochcast as we are officially back from the winter break. Also, make sure you guys like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We got archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there. Also make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos from the show. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got some great YouTube content coming your way, including the latest episode of the Boochcast reviews. Dark Side of the Ring. This week The Life and Crimes of New Jack is coming out this Thursday, April 15th. Make sure you guys check it out. Also check out all the other videos we got and the other videos coming soon. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash TheBoochCast. You can check out both WrestleMania watch parties as well as the special D&D one shot that myself, Elvis Delinsky, and Desmond Dagenhart did during night one of WrestleMania. We basically watched all of WrestleMania and then we did a D&D one shot you can check it out there where uh, Elvis uh, got to play his character Beef Wellington and the only way you're going to find out more about that is to check out that video on the Twitch channel also be on the lookout for our next wrestling watch party which will be WWE SummerSlam in August and also we're thinking we might do some other D&D one shots on the Twitch channel uh, in the future although at some point we will be doing our official Boochcast D&D show Boochcast d d campaign with the entire team playing dungeons and dragons so make sure you are following us on twitch to get all that information and also live chat with us during the broadcasts and also support the show through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash theboochcast. We have great rewards for great patrons for as little as $1 a month. That's right. Just $1 a month. You can help us keep the show going. All the money we make goes into the show. It allows us to upgrade the equipment. It allows us to bring in big name guests that require to be paid to come on. It also allows me to take care of my guys that work really, really hard behind the scenes of the show. So if you think my co-hosts do a great job and they deserve to get paid for their work, pay Patreon is how you make that happen. Also, if you got some extra spending cash and you want to take advantage of some of the other great rewards we got, feel free to do so. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, pizza, baby!
2: Yeah. live from the Gulf Coast. Woo. Welcome to the greatest spectacle seen around the world. Come on!